Jesus talked about building a house. So there's two ways to build it. One lasts, the other one fails. One's built on a strong foundation, the other one is on a weak foundation. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read you the story, and then I'm going to tear into it a little bit, and we can learn from it. Matthew 7, verse 24, here's what it says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, that's his word, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This particular story has a real understanding or foundation in our lives because a number of years ago, we, we, we built a house to, uh, or bought a house on a lake, and then we tore it down to rebuild a house on it. And so they tore it down to the foundation, and they were going to need to put in a new foundation into this home. And so while we were designing it, the builder said, there's a chance now after we get all the construction costs figured out what it's going to cost to build this house, we're, we may find out that we're going to have to do some work on the ground before we can build because it may be that here by the lake there'll be bad soil. And if there's a bad, found, bad soil, then there, it, it can't support your foundation. And if you can't, if the houses have a good foundation, it can't support what we build. Well, that made perfect sense to us because, of course, we wanted a house that lasted. We didn't want a house that all of a sudden the doors don't shut and the windows don't open and all the things that happen if a house starts sinking down into the ground. And so it turned out that that's indeed what happened. Of course, we had to spend thousands of extra dollars to, to firm up the foundation, but it was critical. Well, the same thing holds true with our lives in our, in our homes is that we, particularly us dads, are responsible for setting the foundation of what our home is going to be like. And so uh, it's really important for us, I think, on this Father's Day to, to talk about the importance of building our lives upon God's Word. That's what Jesus was saying. You, you, can, you can be in church and hear the Word, but not put it into practice. And so he said, if you, if you hear my Word and you apply it to your life, you put it into practice, this works, this Christian life works and you're going to have storms in life, but you're going to be able to survive those storms and, and thrive through them because, well, you've, you've got a strong foundation. But in the same token, you can come to church and you can sit in church. You can sit in church for 30 years and hear messages every week, but never put them into practice. And your life's going to be chaotic. You're going to wonder why the person sitting next to you seems to just be going, you know, gracefully through life on angels' wings, and you're going through hell every week. Well, it's real simple. It's more than likely the fact that you're not putting God's word into practice. In other words, I can't go over to Lowe's and sit there every week for an hour and a half to two hours and expect to become a builder. Well, I'm around building equipment, and the Lowe's people are very helpful, but it doesn't make you a builder. Any more than sitting at McDonald's makes you a hamburger. You might smell like one, but you're not a hamburger. You know, how many of you have joined a gymnasium once or twice in your life? Joining a gym does not make you fit, right? What do you have to do? You have to go to the gym and not just go to the, to the 
sports bar drink. You know what I'm saying? You've got to actually go to the equipment and use those. When you apply the equipment, then you become physically fit. Same thing is true spiritually. To grow spiritually requires us to put God's word into practice. And so what I want to talk to you about just for a few minutes is some of the things that have helped me to frame my thinking about how to be a husband and a father and the, and the things that I, that I could do with our family. There's a lot of things I wish I could have been like. I wish I could have been that dad who taught his kids how to hunt. I'm not a hunter. I don't know how to hunt. You ever see those like shows like Alone, where they put people out in the middle of the wilderness? They got to build shelter, fire. They got to kill animals, clean them, eat them, all that stuff. That's never going to happen for me. I can't even walk to the mailbox barefoot. So, so my kids, if there's some sort of apocalypse that happens, we're gone. Just so you know, we're done. We're we're just gonna just drink water and hope it doesn't freeze. My dad was a super mechanical guy. When our, when our um, like a toaster went out or some appliance at the house went out, he fixed it. He knew how to fix things. I mean, plumbing, electrical, drywall, everything. He knew how to do it all. None of it transferred to me. So if I know this much, our kids know even less. I'm so sorry about that. But, well, here's another one. I suck at sports. I'm terrible at sports. So my ability to coach our kids, you know how some dads have a relationship with their kids. Oh, my dad's my greatest coach. He's coached me all the way through professional sports. You know, my kid, I ended my coaching career when they were in kindergarten. That's where my skill level stopped and theirs went beyond mine. In kindergarten. So I, I, again, I could then go through life thinking, oh, I'm a miserable dad because I, I wasn't able to transfer those things to the kids. Or I could say, what could I do? And that's where I went to God's word and said, well, okay, God, help me be a husband and a dad that honors you and, and give, me, <laughs> give me something. Help a brother out. Give me something. So that's what I want talk to you, talk to you about. You all with me? So therefore, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Of course, he calls the guy who hears it and does it wise, the guy who hears it and doesn't do it foolish. And he says, because it's, it's founded at, on the rock. So in other words, what we're about to see, it's, it, it requires both effort and intentionality. It doesn't, it doesn't say that he who hears his word and does that just has a house. In other words, that doesn't just magically appear, but it says he who hears it does it, then builds a house, meaning effort, intentionality, builds a house, then they're able to, to weather the storms. So that's our role. We have to not only hear it, apply it into our lives and put effort into what, what we're doing. So uh, that, that's, I think, hugely important. That's why James said in James 1 and 22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. One translation says it's the essence of, of self-deception. You know, I think there's a reason why a lot of people think Christians are just foolish. Because they see the Christian's life, the ones who don't put God's word into practice, and, they, and their life's no different than the non-Christian. But our lives should be distinctively different. How we deal with the storms of life. Did you notice that both parties were, had the ability to hear the word and put it into practice? One did, one didn't. But both parties had the same storms. We are not 
we are subject to the same thing that non-believers are subject to, but we handle it differently. And it's a testimony to God's power in our life. Somebody say amen to that. So our foundation of our lives are really under attack all around us in a world that calls good evil and evil bad. No, no. Calls evil good and good bad or good evil. It's a crazy world out there. And the only thing we have that's sure and a foundation that's solid, of course, is God's word. That's our example. So I want to share with you three scriptures that have helped me personally to sort of craft what I, what I think is, our, is a mission I have as a husband and a dad. And I want you to hear these as an example, not necessarily for you to do this, but for you to find your scriptures to, that define your life. How are you going to live your life in such a way that honors God? This is, these are mine. I'm going to share them with you. The first one is Matthew 23 and verse 11. It says, The greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest must be a servant. Now, the world thinks the person who owns the restaurant's the greatest. But the person who serves as the restaurant is below them. But that's not how Jesus looked at that. Jesus looked at the servant as being the greatest. So you can own a restaurant, but you should own the restaurant and think of yourself as the servant leader, not the one who has arrived to be served. You all tracking with me? So here's my thing. If this doesn't work in our home, it's not going to work in life. In other words, I had to decide early on that my wife, my role as, as a husband was to give my life to my wife, to serve her and, and, and to honor her and to serve her, not the other way around. And again, the reason I love my wife and serve my wife is because I do that for God as my mission for him. That's my service, my, in, in, in essence, sacrifice to do that. Now, again, it's not based on her. I'm not expecting anything back. I'm doing this as service unto the Lord. Then when we had children, it was that same idea of, I want to serve our children. I want to I be a servant to them. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to do it and let life, you know, let the fruit show itself. So, Again, not based on them, not based on applause or acclamation or recognition. It's none of that stuff. It's, it's simply to serve the Lord because Jesus said, if you want to be great, be serving it for all, and it starts at home. Number two, these are just mine. I'm just sharing your mind. Here's what Jesus said. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So think about that just for a second. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, if this is what Jesus said he came for, God, manifest in the flesh, came to the earth and said, listen, I'm the, I'm the servant. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve you. Uh, to me, that's a game changer in life that we take on a different mentality. We think differently of what we do with our lives. And then one final verse, and I'll share with you a couple stories. Philippians 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking others as better than yourselves. 
And then later on in verse 5, it says, let this mind or attitude be in you that was in Jesus. In other words, Jesus wasn't selfish. He wasn't trying to impress others. He was humble, and he put others first. So, so let me just share with you then how this plays out, how this has played out in, in my life. And again, I, I hope it's a challenge to you and yours. Th- three ways. Number one, my time, when I think about my wife and kids, my time is your time. My time is your time. Meaning, if, if dads, if, if we're thinking our, our spouses or our kids rob us of our me time, then we, we've got the wrong glasses on. Their time... Their time is our time. I do vacations that they want to do, not what I want to do. I put my wants behind their wants, my needs behind their needs, and willing to invest my life into theirs rather than the other way around. You know, there was a time in human society where we had kids to come alongside and help us farm and work crops and do all the different things because we needed workers. We, we had children. We procreated to create workers around us to help us. But that's not how we live today. Today, as Christians, we have children that we can serve them and show them what God is like to them. Number two, my stuff is your stuff. My stuff is your stuff. Now, I learned that the hard way. If that was real, then, then you know, I, I would get irritated at times. Again, I'm, all of us are a work in progress. But, you know, remember when you used to put your stuff somewhere and... When you came back, it was there. <laughs> then you had children. And you keep thinking, where did all my stuff go? I, I was right there. In fact, it was right there. I kept it there for five years. And then we had children, and I've never seen it again. I mean, Annie's got how many, three or four? Uh, four. She has four to-go cups from our house on her desk here at work. You know the coffee cups, that you, you know the special cups to keep your coffee warm on the way into work? She's got four of them on her desk. You know where they came from? My house. Those are my cups. She had three this morning before she came to work. So, so she came to me, she, she was coming to work today, uh, to church, you know, it's, we work here. So she's coming to work, and, and uh, she said, I'm not going to get any coffee. I've got these three cups on my desk. So I said, well, here, here's the fourth. Because I'm preaching on it, you know, I had to. I had to. I would like them back. So the other thing I had, I'm kind of a nice, I like cars. Anybody like cars? You like cars? No, anybody like clean cars? How about cars without dings on them? Okay, if you have children, I'm just warning you young dads, get ready, okay? Because your kids are going to bang your car up. I don't know how they can hit so many things. But I would let my kids borrow my car and they'd come back and every dent's in it. And I think, I'd ask them, How'd that happen? What do they say? Exactly. You heard. You were there. You were there. I don't know. I don't know. Well, of course you know. I don't care because my stuff's your stuff. But see, if my stuff's my stuff, I'm mad all the time, right? I'm ticked off. And, and, and you know I'm ticked off, and mom knows I'm ticked off. The neighbors know I'm ticked off because I've been yelling all day. But if, if my stuff is your stuff, I'm not mad because we'll just get it fixed. The car's not as valuable as you are. Luke was my, uh, our favorite. Luke, Luke one time had my Suburban loaded with kids. He's not here on the property, but he was, had my car, and, and he backs up into another VFCer's car. 
I said, Luke, did you hear the alarm going? You know, because it has that be- you know, the beeper that beeps when you're getting close to something. You all have that in your cars? You know, yeah, beep, beep, beep. You stop, right? You can hear that noise. I said, did you hear the noise? He said, no, the music was too loud. <laughs> all right, then. Cool. Number three, your life is greater than mine. Again, if we, if we have the wrong idea of ourselves, we don't think of others first, we put us first, then again, you're frustrated all the time because you think your life is more important than theirs, and it's not. In fact, if we're going to be like Jesus, we say, no, what, your life's greater than mine. That doesn't mean your life's not great. I'm not saying look down on yourself. I'm just saying it's a different perspective, a different way to, to look at things. You, you lay your life down. Now, listen, I'm not talking about becoming a martyr. Oh, this is my way of life. This is what I got to do. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, this is a joy to serve. I, I, when I was dating Beth, before, the year before we got married, I made a, a, a very bad mistake. I offered at her family's, I was invited to their family's Thanksgiving. At the family's Thanksgiving, I offered to do the dishes. I did the dishes for 25 years for every Thanksgiving. But it was a joy. It's an even greater joy to no longer have to do that. But it's just, it's just you just serve. Again, you serve because it's, it's a way, and again, there's a lot of ways to honor God, but it's just a way to honor the Lord. So don't be a martyr. Jesus was, was not a martyr. He was martyred, but he wasn't a martyr. He was a man's man. He was tougher than hell, but he laid his life down for the people he loved. And that's, our, that's what we should be doing. So, so enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Why is that? Well, Psalm 127, verse 3 says this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are his reward or our reward from him. How joyful is the man or the dad whose quiver's full of them. So here's a revelation to you. God did not send children to this earth to irritate us. He sent them to be a blessing to us, right? They're a blessing to us. So again, in full disclosure, I thought it would be helpful to you to realize that uh, I'm not this perfect dad who's just like Jesus, you know, that I've had my issues. And so the kids, I found out that they were very, um, let's see, cautious to share this with me until they became adults, that they were scarred, and they, were, they had some issues that they had to deal with through my parenting skills. So I'm gonna sh- I thought I'd just share them with you, and maybe you can learn from, from my mistakes. Uh, the first one was going through the drive through at places like McDonald's or whatever. So here's what they re- remember it as. They remember Megan putting together a list prior to us getting into the car of what the kids would want for for dinner, and it would go something like this in their minds. Father, I hate to bother you, but here from the back seat is the list of what all the kids would like to have for dinner. And it goes right in line with the menu. If you wouldn't mind, please order for us. But if it's too much of a trouble, we'll be fine. We'll just sit back and relax. And just being with you is enough for us, dearest father. That's not what I heard. What I heard was six, no, five people, we have four children, so five out of the six, me being number six, they're all yelling at me at the same time what they want. And then they want special orders. Like, hey, give me half a pickle on a cheeseburger. No, you can't have half a pickle. Don't ask for half a pickle. 
Just order a cheeseburger. I want fries, no salt. Fries with no salt? How you can't order fries with no salt? I want Coke with half ice. Half ice? No! <laughs> Topped by my beloved of 35 years. We celebrate 35 years this August. Amen. So in the midst of the kids all getting squirrely, on the, just, this is just waiting to be next. I would say to Beth, what would you like? She'd say, let me look at the menu. Now, again, this is before McDonald's had big menus. They had five items on the menu for 30 years. <laughs> big Mac, Quarter Pounder, Hamburger, Cheeseburger. Make it four items. That's it. There was no McRib. There was no nuggets. It was just four items. Let me look at the menu. What are you waiting for? Just tell me what you want. So apparently those frustrations came out. So much so that our kids, if they ever had their friends ride with us, would say, whatever you do, don't special order at McDonald's, all right? My dad will go nuts. I didn't think I was nuts. I thought I was just getting us through the chaos. The other one, which I, I, again, I didn't know until they became adults to tell me this one, that apparently I never let them go to the bathroom in the car. When we went on trips together as a family, that, that they, they had a fear of having to identify they needed to use the restroom. I don't know why. But I know this, if we were on our trip to Florida, if we left here, you know, I'd, I'd get one of them say, I need to go to, be, to, to the bathroom in Battle Creek. Then I'd have another one say, I need to go to the bathroom in Marshall. And then we would stop in Coldwater, Angola, Fort Wayne, north side of Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis, south side of Indianapolis. We'd never make it to Louisville. Never make it to Nashville. It would take us weeks to go to Florida just for them to use the bathroom. So I'm thinking I'm blessing them by saying, hey, guys, we're going to stop when we get gas and when we need to get food. And then we'll go to the bathroom. Then let's get to where we're getting. But apparently, again, the kids were traumatized by that. And if they could have worn adult diapers, they would have. (laughs) And they told all their friends, whoever had friends traveling with us, whatever you do, don't tell my dad you have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So why do I share that with you? I'm giving you hope, all right? So if if you're saying, listen, there's some things i got to learn. We're all a work in progress. Somebody say amen to that. All right, what's the benefits of all this? I'm going to share this, then we'll close. Here's the benefits of this. Psalm 112. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you. It's it's easy to read. Here's the benefits. Here's why we build our lives upon the rock of God's word. This is why. Praise the Lord. How joyful, happy, excited, full of faith. How joyful are those dads. Now, I added that part. Okay, the dads part. I, I put that in there. Who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves, these dads, will be wealthy. It means to have plenty, to have enough. And their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly dads. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those dads who lend money generously. Now, let me stop here just for a second. 
again, a dad lesson for you. Because lo- it took me years to figure this one out. Because when you go to the ATM and get money, get cash, right? What comes out of the ATM machine, generally speaking? 20s, right? 20s. So I would go, I'd have a pocket, I'd have my wallet with money in it from the ATM. I'd have 20s in my wallet. And the kids would need to borrow money for something. But I don't know if it was just our family. Do you ever get change back? <laughs> ever? So I had this revelation. Why am I carrying 20s with me? So I, I, would, I, would, I stopped going to the ATM. I would only go inside the bank and get 5s and 10s. <laughs> that saved me thousands of dollars. <laughs> thousands of dollars. I have boats now that were, would have been changed. I call my boat change back. <laughs> I made that up. I don't have a boat called change back. I made that up. It is funny, though. Where was I? Good comes to those dads who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous dads will be long remembered. They, these dads, do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. I love it. One translation says they are spirit firm, unperturbed, ever blessed, and relaxed among enemies. There's just something about being built on the rock. So when the storms are coming, man, we're on the rock. We're going to make through this as a family. We're going to get through this, whatever this is. Verse 9. They, these dads, share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Now listen, that verse, those first nine verses are written to dads who build their lives on the word, on the rock. But listen to verse 10. Here's the ones that build on sand. The wicked, the sand builders, those who hear the word but don't put it into practice, will see this, will see what we just read, And they will be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away their hopes thwarted. So what are we going to be? We're going to be the critical one who tried to build their house on sand. Now jealous of those who build their house on the rock. Are we just going to say, God, help me build my marriage and my family upon the rock of your word. And let the fruit be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us to grow in our faith and become who you created us to be. Help us be a reflection of you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.